Principal Matters Podcast, episode 374. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about accelerating student voice with my special guest, Dr. James Flynn. Dr. Flynn has been a teacher, a coach, an assistant principal, and a principal of grades three through six intermediate school in Burlington City. He's also been principal of Burlington City High School and is currently director of planning, research, evaluation, operations, and state and federal programs for the Burlington City School District. Jim's principal practice included a number of student voice initiatives, and his research study and dissertation was titled High School Principals' Perception and Experience with Student Voice and Youth Adult Partnerships. Jim recently presented a session at the National Association of Secondary Principals Ignite Conference in Denver titled Foster Agency, Advocacy, and Citizenship through Student Voice and Youth Adult Partnerships. We met at that conference, and I was so taken with Jim's research that I've invited him as a guest on today's program. James or Jim Flynn, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. Once you fill in the gaps on that intro, tell folks where Burlington is and uh, and what else listeners may be surprised to know about you. Uh, hello, Will, and it is such an honor to be on Principal Matters. Uh, thank you for that uh, terrific introduction. And yes, I think you know to start with gaps in in you know the introduction. I would like to go right to Burlington City. Uh, because th this is the place and these are the people who have absolutely inspired me on my educational journey. Well, Burlington City is a, a small, historic, uh, close-knit community. We, we sit right on the Delaware River in New Jersey, about a half an hour northeast of uh, Philadelphia. Uh, and um, we simply are a, a, an unbelievably caring community. Uh, I often say I could write a book about our staff members who behind the scenes do so much for our students and families. Nobody knows about it. Obviously, what they do in the classroom is special, but our staff members care so much. They are so dedicated to our students and families that if there is a need, if they're closed, food, hardship, uh, shelter, you know, all of a sudden, you know, through resources and collaboration and our, our dedicated staff, it is taken care of. So uh, I am simply proud to be part of the Burlington City community. Our schools are a fabric of our, our small community and uh, the community, you know, completely supports our schools. Well, you are in an a fantastic school community and we've had the opportunity to get to know each other off the air, Dr. Flynn. But so thank you for being a part of this conversation. Um, I want, before we talk a little bit more about your school, your dissertation, student voice, I also just want folks to get to know you a little bit better. What's something people may be surprised to know about you? Well, let's see. Uh, I, I tell it at meetings when we talk, you know, hey, well, what, what's one thing you may not know? Uh, I have run nine New York City marathons, Will. Uh, you know, years ago, but but nine New York City marathons. My wife uh, is a runner and got me into running and, and I, I loved it, so... I've done nine New Yorks. I, you know, I have never done any like calculations of guests who run, but I'm just beginning. My brain is just going off a different pathway now, Jim, because I'm just thinking uh, I just recently um, 
was listening back to a podcast that I did with John Boyd, who's the principal of St. Genevieve High School in Missouri, who's an avid runner. I'm really good friends with uh, the former Oklahoma High School principal of the year, um, Chris Legrand, who now leads our state principals association, the position that I used to hold. And Chris is an avid runner. Uh, Jen Schwanke, who co-hosts our show uh, with Principal Matters Podcast, is an avid runner. Um, I'm just thinking, Danny Massey, who's the superintendent of Brazos Sport ISD, who's a good friend of mine and just a, such a successful leader. And so I'm not trying to make a correlation between running and school leadership, but I'm just saying a lot of my school friends who love the work and have been doing the work and have stayed in the work for a long time, I'd love to run. So I don't know, maybe that should be your next dissertation. We'll <laughs> sure. and, it, and it goes right along with your, your book, Will, right? Uh, pause, uh, you know, breathe <laughs> and flourish and running is part of that exercising. So we need to do it as educational leaders. I agree. Well, tell us a little bit more about your school community and some of the ways that they're serving students and ways that you're really proud of. Well, for, for example, we, we had, uh, Will, we had this wonderful um, extended school year program. It, it recently ended in early August. And, and uh, again, dedicated staff willing to come in in the summer and work with our students um, on the, the enrichment, the basic skills we so need and we're all trying to catch up on, you know, through the pandemic. Uh, and then help our students recover some credits at the high school level um, and graduate on time and move on with their careers in college and and in the workforce and, and following their dreams. And we had this wonderful, wonderful, you know, five-week program. And, and all along, you know, another uh, component is that we were able to serve over 9,000 meals, breakfast and lunch to our students. And, and in our community, you know, the students at, at school, you know, school is where they might get, you know, th their necessary meals. And we're, we're proud to be able to provide that here in Burlington City for our students and, and you know, do that over the summer and extend the school year for them. Well, you are obviously committed to the service of students, Dr. Flynn, but you also, in your dissertation work, learned a lot about feedback and recommendations from principal perceptions, which led to you to the work you've been doing recently and, and presenting on and publishing on when it comes to uh, experiencing and accelerating student voice. So I want to park here for a little bit because I, I do sometimes people call me Dr. Parker and I'm not a doctor. I've not done a dissertation. I've written books and I've done a lot of research, but I know that for my friends like you who have, that is an enormous commitment, especially while you're also in school leadership. And sometimes that work um, gets buried. People aren't aware of it. And at other times people have the opportunity to share the insights in the ways that it's made you grow in your own school leadership. So take us there, talk to us a little bit about your dissertation work, what you learned from the feedback and recommendations from principal perceptions. Well, thank you, Will. And, and so um, I went to Rowan University for my doctoral program. And from the beginning, the professor said, you know, when you come up with a dissertation topic, you need to be passionate about it because it's going to consume you. And sure enough, uh, it did, uh, you know, six years, a grueling process, six years, but I was passionate about student voice and partnering with students as a result of, um, you know, things that we have done in Burlington City. And what I was able to do as I began my dissertation and study, I was able to attend the International Conference on Student Voice, which happened to be right here in Philadelphia in 2019. And I was fortunate to attend, and similar to the NASSP conference, uh, met so many unbelievable educational leaders in the arena 
of student voice and partnership. And I was able to work with some of those professionals and be referred to 10 high school principals from around the nation who they knew were doing student voice work. And I was able to, uh, for my dissertation, will interview via Zoom as a result of COVID, right? An outcome, not a, you know, but here the educational community all of a sudden found out about Zoom. And I was able to interview these 10 amazing principals. And these principals range from California, Vermont, New York, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. And I think if it wasn't for Zoom, either they would have been phone conversations, maybe not as effective, or I would have had to stay regional in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And I did learn so much, and I was so inspired by their work and their belief in students. And I came away from the dissertation, and you know, John Hattie has his his teacher efficacy, um, you know, effect size, the, the highest effect size for impact on students. And I, I came up with the term educational leadership efficacy, because these leaders had it. If they said that their students and staff were amazing once, they said it a thousand times. And, and they, they had their practice impacted by this belief and, and their trust in students. And when we trust students and we, we empower staff, amazing things can happen. And they, they were a model of it. So they were truly inspiring. And, and I'm able to now through a few presentations, you know, NASSP and others and, and here talking to you, actually now I think pay it forward and, and, and tell their story because they were so amazing and inspiring. Well, take us there for a few minutes because with 10 conversations, oh my goodness. I, and I know from the conversations that I have through this podcast that I just, every single conversation leads me to some learning that I never had discovered before. So Give us a few golden nuggets, Jim, as you think back to those conversations, what were some of the takeaways that you've been holding on to? Sure. And, and, and it starts with, you know, simply listening to our students and staff, right? I mean, we get so consumed with the next thing and the, you know, the, the have to solve the next problem and do the next email and go to the next meeting. But these educational leaders made a part of their practice to intentionally and actively listen to their students uh, listen to their staff. Uh, many of these principals have what what they called principal advisory committees, where they are modeling listening to students and partnering with students. It's a principal advisory committee, a leadership council, a site council, equity you know council. But they worked directly with their students and they modeled it, and they empowered others. They empowered their vice principals. So although this was principals, I will encourage vice principals to have their own advisory council and and work with the students whether they're the wonderful frequent flyers in the in the vice assistant principal's office or other students who they don't have access to as much in their buildings uh, assistant principals can do this as well and so they start with listening and trust and they, they put amazing trust in their students and then they see them flourish and they provide that opportunity for students to have agency and advocate for what they want to see in their in their schools and actually many of the students uh, fostered relationships with the local community and, and um, other agencies in the community, and we're actually making positive community changes as a result of the partnerships. And so, um, complete trust in your students and, and break will breaking down that power dynamic we have in traditional schools, traditional high schools where the adults are in charge and follow the rules, and students comply and go from the next class to the next class and be seen but not heard. And they totally break down 
those barriers and, and they create a new paradigm, you know, a paradigm of, of inclusion and trust and, and partnership. Uh, and then also it, we have to realize, and we all our you know, principals and vice principals know how demanding and challenging and, and all consuming our jobs are. So we can't do it all alone. Um, there are barriers we face as well. And what the principals in my study were able to do was say, all right, I'm, I'm not going to get buy-in right away from the, every teacher in my building. What I'm going to do is, is you know, ask for volunteers and as principals and leaders, we know the staff members who will be right on board with you know, talking with our students and partnering. And you go to a small group of, of your staff members, teachers, counselors, you know, other adults in the building. And you talk about what you would like to do in your vision and you get their buy-in. Um, it can certainly start with the advisors, you know, like the National Honor Society and student council advisors, um, but also then you branch out from there. And you create that small cadre of folks in your building who will believe in this work and, and start there. And you can start small and you can have small but major victories, right? You know, and you celebrate those uh, in what you're doing. And then it, then it can permeate throughout the building as you're modeling it, as you're empowering other staff members to work with your students uh, in that trusting, you know, inclusive manner. Uh, it will spread, but you can start with a small group and with you modeling. Um, so those are a few takeaways. The other part, the other big piece and very successful piece, um, you don't have as much control over this because you need the support, obviously, of your superintendent and your board of education. But many of the principals in my study were able to have their districts partner with outside organizations who are experts in the field of student voice and partnership. And, and one uh, in particular is the Qualia Institute uh, for Voice and Aspirations. Um, who work with a number of uh, the principals in the districts. Um, they, they are amazing at what they do. And they will help the principals implement, you know, student voice in their schools and, and throughout the schools with their surveys and their professional development. Because, you know, it's hard for principals to go from, you know, here to, okay, I want to implement student voice. How do you do that? Well, there's organizations out there like Qualia. If you're in Vermont, um, this wonderful organization called Up for Learning, uh, and even if you're not in Vermont, go to their website and look at their templates and look at their frameworks for how to uh, include student voice. And then another, I think a key piece for our, the principals in the study was to work with their local universities. Uh, there are experts in the field at their local universities. Rowan At Rowan University, Shelley Zion is, is an expert in student voice. Um, Penn State, uh, Dana Mitra is, a, is an absolute leader in the field, uh, Penn State University, Villanova University here locally, Jerusha Connor. So throughout the nation, you know, you can find your local universities and work with the educational uh, departments there and, and create these wonderful partnerships as well. So there, there are a number of things that the, the principals, you know, did uh, throughout this, you know, study um, that we can learn from, that I, I learned from, and the principals, you know, on, on your podcast can learn from. Jim, thanks for that. Let, let's pause there because you know me, I love to summarize. And of course, I'd love to park on a few of these things too. So I heard you say several things. So principal manners listeners, pardon me while I, while I rethink what I just heard from Jim, but you talked about one, intentionally and actively listening to students and staff, which means and empowering your APs and other people on your teams to do the same thing, which I think is so powerful. Two, you talked about allowing that student voice to not just be something that's influencing school, but the entire community, releasing them into the community with some of their ideas. 
three, you talked about breaking down the barriers of power and control from top down to shared leadership. Four, you talked about expanding boundaries. So going beyond just your small leadership groups to including a diversity of voices and eventually all your students, but you can start small. Five, you talked about partnering with outside organizations like the Quality Institute, Up for Learning. I'm going to mention a friend of mine, um, J Jason Jadamski, which leads a group called Ignite to Unite that helps build spirit and student voice in schools. And then last, you talked about harnessing your local university experts because there's so many people within those settings that love to work with student voice. Support for Principal Matters comes from DigiCoach and its walkthrough tool. When Kathleen Beckham was a district director, she would walk through classrooms and see teachers engaging students in learning or observe elements missing in their instruction. And her biggest challenge was finding the time to give those teachers meaningful and helpful feedback that they would value as coaching and not correction. In the past, Kathleen spent hours in follow-up email exchanges after informal walkthroughs, but that all changed when she discovered DigiCoach. She now has a tool that can help her send immediate feedback from her phone or her tablet. DigiCoach is a fully customizable tool created by school leaders for school leaders to not only collect walkthrough data, but also ensure every teacher receives ongoing support, feedback, and coaching. It features thousands of pre-written, research-based commendations and coaching tips that can be included along with your own observation comments and a follow-up email ensuring all teachers receive effective and timely support. Are you ready to make the most of your walkthroughs with a tool that saves you time and enhances meaningful feedback to your teachers? Go to digicoach.com to learn more and please tell them Principal Matters recommended you check them out. That's digicoach.com. Support for Principal Matters comes from Aptigee. More than 3,500 school districts have switched to Aptigee since 2016 for one reason. Aptigee powers the identity of your school. We all know that communication is important, but what are you communicating? If it's just information, you're missing an opportunity to build a school brand around your strengths and values. What I love about Aptigee is how they think and talk about communication as a critical component of building your brand that engages your entire school community. With the Thrill Share platform, Aptigee brings everything you need for school marketing and communications together into a single mobile app. Write a story once and send it across your school website and mobile app, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, text messages, and voice calls. By making it easy to share stories about your strengths, you can control the conversation around your brand. Learn more about Aptigee at aptigee.com and tell them that Principal Matters sent you. Wow, Jim, th that's so rich. So, so let me just... Um, First, just say this back to Principal Matters listeners. Um, when you think about it in terms of the overall benefits of student voice, Jim, in some ways it feels overwhelming. But but so let's bring it back to the simplicity of, of how do you start? If, if maybe student voice is something that's 
um, where you recognize I need to be more intentional, I need to be more focused, we need to expand this influence, where would you suggest a principle begin? Well, there was one one of the 10 amazing principles had a great term for that uh, first point you made about listening to your students and staff. And he called himself a listener in chief. Oh, I loved it. I, I talk about it. I, I talked about it at my you know presentation at, in Denver. Listener in chief. And we as principals and vice principals, assistant principals need to be that listener in chief for everyone. You know, we cannot have student voice without staff voice, right? We can't, We need to hear from everybody in that democratic way. And so uh, keep that in mind as you go, as we go about our practice to stop and actually listen. And as part of our practice, be that listener in chief. And, you know, it, it can be overwhelming, Will. And, and one of the things I uncovered, I didn't know this at the time. It was through my research. I found out that the National Association of Secondary School Principals has a student voice program. It is called Raising Student Voice and Participation. Uh, they have staff members, Jeff Sherrill would love to hear from you at NASSP. They have staff members assigned to it uh, who work with RSVP for short. Um, they have guidebooks. They will, they will come out and do professional development for you. And RSVP comes under the umbrella of what we all have in our schools, National Honor Society and Student Council. But through RSVP, we are able to do what you just talked about and, and get to the more diverse, the other students who might not be elected, you know, students to elected positions or, or have made the International Honor Society qualifications, but who are leaders, who are budding leaders in our buildings and who have a voice. And so I have found what, when I realized, you know, when I heard and, and researched about RSVP, I then brought it back to my district and we've had RSVP running for a few years. It's been so impactful and rewarding uh, and unbelievable, but it did truly that. It expanded, you know, the, the two clubs, the two programs, NHS and Student Council, from, say, you know, 40 students to now 150 students. And it, it does serve to, to have uh, all of that, you know, our students heard and they make their action plans, their civic action plans are the result of it. They go through a process. They're leading what we call summits. The students, facilitators, and they're not just the NHS students, they're the RSVP students. They are leading summits for their peers. And we help them practice that. The adults who are part of it and, you know, the volunteers and the principal, I was part of it. We helped our students prepare for those summits. And then we heard from the 150 students involved. Then we did the surveys to the entire student body. And we had survey results from about 75% of our entire student population. So Student Council Honor Society now has gone from 40 students to 75% of our population with feedback. And then we get together and we, we you know, disaggregate that feedback and we, we give another survey and we come together and we have these civic action um, plans as a result. And our students presented that to the Board of Education. Obviously, you know, through the advisors and me and the groups, we presented that. And we made impact, you know, positive impacts on our school, you know, each and every year we've done it. So that was a tremendous takeaway. So one, I, although overwhelming, I would say if there's a place to start along with, you know, working directly with your, your students and, and having that small cadre of teachers, look into RSVP because the structure is already there. And the NASSP is, is there to help you with resources. Go right on their website, the National Student Council and Honor Society website. 
the resources are there, the people at NASSP are there, and that can be a starting point. Wow. Well, Jim, we'll put a link in the show notes for NASSP's program, Raising Student Voice and Participation. I'm so glad you mentioned that resource, and you and I both are big fans of the National Association of Secondary School Principals. We met together at that Ignite conference on the trade floor whenever you were connecting and I was connecting with some of the work that Jimmy Costas is doing. And then we started talking about my book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish. And then I started talking about your research. I just love these friendships. Um, I want to pick your brain on some other topics since I have you in the room. But before I go there, I I do want to give you an opportunity to share any other thoughts that you had about the work you've done with student voice, because it's so important and I know you've shared a lot of takeaways in the presentations you've done. So what else would you like to add to that conversation? Well, I would say one of my roles now in the district is I'm the, the district school safety specialist. And, you know, with that um, role combined with my, uh, you know, passion for student voice, what I think, and I, it wasn't part of my study, is it, an emerging area for student voice for, for leaders and for schools is in the area of school safety and teen mental health. Um, And as an outcome of the NASSP was that I I attended a session uh, where the CEO, Christy Krings of of, um, uh, Rachel's Challenge presented about those topics and we connected. And the Friends of Rachel Club that results from Rachel's Challenge coming into your schools is absolutely student voice and partnership. It is a hundred students and 10 adults in your building carrying on Rachel's legacy of kindness and compassion uh, and helping to prevent, um, you know, uh, suicide and school shootings, and it goes hand in hand. So I've seen an emerging area for for student voice in this area. Right, we all want our schools to be safe. Our students can help us create a safe, inclusive uh, school community and climate. So I would recommend that that um, principals look into those areas as well. And as a matter of fact, will from that connection. Um, at NASSP, we are bringing, you know, Christy and Rachel's Challenge into Burlington City in October and having Rachel's Challenge uh, presentations and then uh, a resulting chain reaction day, because I truly believe it, it is so important and impactful uh, and uh, an outcome of NASSP. It's a, a wonderful outcome. Wow. I love every, every, you're just so full of resources, Jim. So thank you for that. Um, I do want to add this thought before we move topics and and to just come back to to listeners, when you think about student voice and the work that you're doing, it's funny, Jim, by the way, I I know earlier in the conversation, you and I mentioned this time of the year, you and I are recording in summer, but this recording probably won't come out until winter because of how many guests I have that I have been able to record and and hold on to. So thank you um, for your voice right now, but also for the voice that's going to be heard uh, in the middle of the school year. And so it's never too late to start engaging with student voice. And I would encourage principals, especially to take a look at your calendar and ask yourself this question, where in my calendar have I made it a priority to engage consistently and intentionally by listening to students? And there's a lot of ways you can do that. Um, John Boyd, who was, I mentioned earlier, a previous guest on the show, he is in a school small enough where every, at the beginning of every school year, he sets a schedule where he interviews every single freshman one-on-one face-to-face. Brent Klein, who's a principal out in Palo Alto, California, who I do some executive coaching with me, he sets up a circle of students from every grade level because he has a student population of 2,000. And he interviews among applicants, students apply to be on his advisory teams. 
but he purposefully looks for diversity and inclusion and a variety of voices from girls and boys across the school so that he has a team that really represents as many of the student voices that he can get together. But that takes a lot of time out of his schedule. But that investment that these principals make for student voice, in my practice, Jim, I made it a goal that twice a month, so every other week, I was scheduled into our school leadership class because we had a class set up for student leaders. And I made it a goal to be a part of that class. And there were times that I actually taught content because they they wanted some feedback from me. But most of the time, it was just simply me sitting there and doing exactly what you said, asking questions and listening. And their feedback was immediately helpful for me to know what things I was missing. I was walking to school every day. I'm in every single classroom. I'm, I'm, I'm living my days out among kids and still had blind spots until I sat down and asked them, tell me what things that you're observing that we need to be paying more attention to. So I wanted to throw that out. Any any thoughts on that, Jim, before we move on? Well, forward? first of all, the, the principals you just mentioned are, are amazing. If they can talk to their freshmen and all of those other students, but they were intentional uh, about it. And, and that's the thing. Within As we look at our schedules and the year starting and principals are, are just so consumed, if we don't put it on our schedule, it, w- it, it won't happen. And even if it is once a month and you create this principal's advisory council to start, once a month, sitting down with your students. Students love to eat, right? So we buy them pizza. We have a lunch program. It's the principals, you know, pizza group bunch. And and you start there with a diverse group of students from different grade levels. And then you're doing the work and you, and you will, you will, ideas will flow from there, Will. And then people will recognize in your building that you're spending the time. Then if you're spending the time as the leader, they can spend the time during their class and at other times to listen to their students and partner with them. They really will. Well, Jim, I, I do want to go here next with you because, it, and this is a compliment, by the way, you are a seasoned leader. You've had a lot of positions as a principal, as a teacher, principal, coach, all the things you've done now at the district level as well. And this is a podcast that is listened to by a variety of leaders, aspiring new veteran but I, I always like to ask this question when I'm in the room with a veteran leader, which is if you could sit down with another leader, maybe someone who's stepping into a new position for the first time, you were having coffee, and you could give them a few pieces of advice to keep in mind for their leadership. What would you, what lessons would you share that may be helpful for leaders who want to be effective in their work? Uh, well, a few things. Um, certainly, I, I would say that to to make sure that we keep in mind, uh, you know, why we got into the profession and and how much of a passion it is. It's like Jimmy Cassis, the interview chair that I found out about. Yeah, remember why you, you interviewed to be a an instructional educational leader, and keep that going because it's easy to get sidetracked by everything else we're trying to do, and remain passionate. And and I always say, make sure that all of the the decisions you are making, we are making as leaders are what is in the best interest of our students. And if we are guided by that moral compass of what is in the best interest of our students, we we will make sound educational decisions um, in, in the right you know, moral ground. And we, we need to keep what's at best for our students in mind. Um, and I would say that we also have to realize we, we cannot do this work alone. 
Okay? And so we, we need to, to empower and we need to delegate. And you know, my theoretical framework for my dissertation um, was, was called Democratic Eth Ethical Educational Leadership by Dr. Stephen J. Gross, uh, formerly of Temple University. Now he lives up in Vermont. Uh, but if we, we could look at that framework as, a, as an inclusive model for not only working with students, student voice and, and diversity and inclusion is, are tenets of the New Deal framework, but being a democratic leader and empowering your staff, empowering your students, those around you to help do the work. You have your vision, but we need to have everybody um, at their capacity, believing in each other, trusting in you, and, and allowing you to do the important work of vision, of working with students and staff and setting the, the foundation of, you know, for the building. Keep in mind why you became an educator and work from that passion and realize that you cannot do this work alone. There's just so much wisdom in that, Jim. And th those are two very simple things to say, but they could encompass, well, they have encompassed entire books, entire, I mean, you could talk about this endlessly in terms of how that actually looks in practice, but I, I think that's so important, working from your why, but then recognizing, I I've said this so many times to, to listeners and my friends, but tuck in your cape, stop pretending you're a superhero and ask for help. Because, because you can't you can't do this by yourself. And so even the ideas that we've been talking about today with student voice innovation, ideas of of things, ways that it can affect your community, um, only can happen when you when you connect that with others. Um I wanna I wanna tell you a quick story. This is just coming to mind, but I was coaching with a principal yesterday. I, I just mentioned him earlier, Brent Klein, who um had brought in last year, um last school year he brought in. Uh, a group called Ignite to Unite with uh, Jason Jadamski, who's a friend of mine from Oklahoma. And he worked with the students at Palo Alto High School on just ways that they could better interact with each other, ways that they could interact more with school spirit, ways that they could, um, simple things like just practices of how to get to know somebody you don't know, um, adapting some, I, I'm just going to call them silly things, but th things like cheers you can say during uh, events and games that just give you more school spirit and make you feel more unified. And he told me uh, as he started his school year off this year that he, um, the very first day of school, they had a, a pep assembly, which is pretty brave to have a pep assembly on your first day of school. But they hosted one and the student body led the assembly and they did it with all of these practices that they had just been working on since last year. And before that, the seniors had met with all the freshmen and had taught them these things too. And he said, Will, the room was on fire. He was like, and he said, and the freshmen were the most passionate of it, which is always the opposite. It's almost always your seniors and the freshmen just sit there looking confused. He said, I've never seen anything like it. And it was such an, an accelerated, powerful way to start the school year. And, and that story was just coming to mind, Jim, because the investments that you're making in these listening opportunities and bringing in outside resources and giving students an opportunity to be a part of de developing their school, they can take you places you never expected to go. Will, will they, our students always rise up, uh, put, put them in leadership roles, uh, empower them, trust them, and you'll have an event like your, your principal friend in Oklahoma. I, I love, I love the story. Well, as we wrap up, 
Jim, I want to, first of all, just thank you for your expertise. I want to thank you for your service to your school community and to other educators. Um, you are now in a position where you do a lot of work that supports and equips and resources leaders, which is similar to, to what I do all the time. And so thank you uh, for your commitment to education. And I want to give you an opportunity to what other insights or lessons would you like to leave with listeners? And then, of course, I would like folks to know how they can stay connected with you. Oh, sure. I appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure, Will. And I, I hope this has helped uh, other leaders. And I, I finished my dissertation uh, and, and you know, over in the fall. I defended in the summer, finished in the fall, and I'm just getting into the work of giving back, in my opinion, trying to contribute truly on behalf of these 10 amazing principles in my study. So um, I, I love uh, being here with you and, and trying to help others. And if I can be of any assistance, I will. And you know, part of my research was was based upon you know John Dewey's um, you know foundational idea of public schools, which was first to create a citizenry capable of sustaining a democratic society, and and we as educational leaders don't have to talk about that and tell our students oh you, you'll be a citizen when you graduate from here. Our schools can be where our students practice that work and build their citizenship and have their voice. And we work with them as we have them. And then we pass them along to the world where they will make an unbelievable difference. So my, I would just encourage the principals and assistant principals listening to do what my the 10 principles in my study did and create that school and create the culture where our students are citizens with us in the building and can then reach out to the community while they're still in school, but become productive citizens as a result of our involvement with them. Before I ask you to share your contact information, Jim, can I just take a moment to celebrate? I was listening to another podcast this week, and I won't say who, but it was, you know, people often talk about what the problems and challenges of our culture and society are, and there's a lot of doom and gloom. And as I was listening to you, I was just thinking, hmm, I would love for more people to recognize how often I hear leaders and educators talk about developing the kinds of students who are partners in their communities to help turn them into thriving places to live. And it, it, because um, when that's the heart of your mission, then there's a lot of hope uh, for us when we look in the faces of our kids and recognize that they can become a part of the solution, that we have a lot of problems. But man, the solutions are staring right in, right in our faces in those seats in our schools. So, so thank you, Jim, for that. How can folks stay connected with you? And uh, if they want to find more out more about your work or if they want to reach out to you or even invite you to share some of the findings you've had with their staff or their schools? Uh, that uh, Everything, that would be great. Um, on Twitter or now X, I am at Jim underscore Flynn 10. Uh, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, you can look me up on the Burlington City, New Jersey website, but my email is jflynn at burlington-nj.net. Uh, phone number, please, 609-387-5828. And it is true, Will, I'd be, I would love to help in any way, talk to any educator uh, throughout the nation uh, on your podcast about student voice. Um, it's a wonderful arena and an important well, Dr. James Flynn, thank you so much for your research, for your service, and for inspiring me today. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. We'll talk to you again soon. 
You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about Leadership Academies, Mastermind offerings, and executive coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at will at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today. And thanks again for doing what matters.